now have been doing. Uh, we first met each other about uh, 30 years ago when we were about six years old. Uh, we were actually in Nyack together. We were in a church that had a, a Haitian, uh, a Cambodian, and an English-speaking church family. And we got to be together at that time, but then we, our paths have diverged. You're going to hear their story today. Sutton Sinalao, our alliance missionaries, international workers who have been serving uh, in a country for, from whence they had escaped and there was great pain. But I don't want to tell their story. I want you to hear it. So would you welcome to Grace Church for the first time, Sutton Sinalao. microphone to them. Uh, your voices are, <laughs> here you go. Thank you so much. Yep. Good morning. Thank you for having us here. And uh, we've been really looking forward to come to uh, fellowship with you. And now the reality now is here. And uh, thank you for having us. And uh, we just share a little bit of background. And Sina and I, we were raised and born in Cambodia. And uh, our children, uh, see now, I was, not, was nine, I was 12, and uh, we went through uh, this communist regime and, um, that had killed two and a half million people. It was, uh, the, the, the communists took place in Cambodia in uh, April 17, 1975. And um, during three and a half years, they killed two and a half million people. And this has been known as the killing fields. In the early 1980, and uh, in a desperate search for freedom and to stay alive, and Sina family escaped Cambodia and uh, found herself refuge in a refu refugee camp in, in Thailand, and uh, where she um, received the Lord as her savior in a refugee camp. I escaped by myself later on and uh, end up to the Bronx, New York, and the Lord found me there. And uh, after high school, I went to Nyack College and then um, um, get married, and then uh, I was home, or do my home church service uh, three years, and then um, while studying at Nyack, and also see Nasi pursuing her nursing school, and um, graduate in Long Island, and also, we married 1992, then um, 1995, God called us back to Cambodia. And uh, when we announced uh, to our family that uh, we're going to go back to Cambodia to serve the Lord there, and uh, people, friends, were shocked, like, why? Why going, to go, going back to the killing field? And um, we shared and told them that, no, we're not going back to, to the killing field. We are going back to the living field. And God had been using us for 26 years. It really has been an amazing journey that God has used us. Yeah. So um, when we serve the Lord, uh, uh, the picture, this is our family. Okay. Uh, Justin, in uh, July 2017, before we going back to Cambodia, and um, uh, uh, Justin was sophomore at Crown College, and asked us like, uh, hey, would like to get married? And I said, okay. So we married them. And uh, when we come back uh, this, uh, uh, this year, and uh, he gave us two grandchildren. <laughs> and Justin and Katie, they are medical, um, medical, they are nurses, 
and they now they are now uh, serving with the uh, IW Alliance International Worker, and uh, they've been six weeks now serving uh, in overseas. So we appreciate for you to pray for their studying language and also adjust living in the culture, a new place. Also, our next one, uh, uh, Jonathan, uh, he's with us now. He's 19, and uh, right now he study uh, XFAC. Uh, so we are hoping that um, by the time July, he'll be finished school and uh, find a job so that uh, we can go back to Cambodia in July uh, this year. The theme for the Alliance this year is all of Jesus for all the world. Lost people matter to God. He wants them found. Uh, each of you have played a unique role. Uh, you've been prayer, you've been support, and to the Great Commission Fund, and uh, 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 you've been giving support. And also, we just want to share with, uh, the story that you're about to hear later on today, um, uh, uh, late, late, later, is the story that involved with you too, because you've been praying and you've been supporting to, uh, to the Great Commission, and what you've been supporting that you have put us in the front line. The Cambodian people, also known as the Khmer people, they're very hospitable, very generous, and very friendly people. Um, behind those years and decades of war zone, you would not notice because they're always smiling. Because of cheerful greeting, they're always jimriapsur. The outsider would say, see Cambodia as the people from the land of smiling. So when we first arrived in Cambodia in our first term, because of political um, unstable, we had to stay in the capital city, but three um, days a week we traveled to remote villages to spend all day discipleship and leadership training. So we would travel, we get up early in the morning, travel two, three hours on bumpy roads and spend two, three hours um, minister to the people. Uh, at the end of the day, we'll make sure to come back to the city um, before curfew. So those roads, um, three times a week was bumpy and backbreaking, but we always were always greeted by um, gen, uh, people run to us, um, come and hug us and greet us. But they don't come empty hands. They came with bearing gifts. Their gifts may not be much. They poor farmers, whatever they harvest the night before, all kind of edible proteins, lava, ants, and crickets, and snail, and rabbit meat, or snake, they will bring to us and almost always a bag of mangoes or coconut, so they give to us. At mealtime, they make sure that they have a feast prepared for us. Sometime when they run out of food, they go and chase that big fat chicken and butcher it and kill and fill and feed us, or prepare a feast for us. Normally, Cambodian, um, because of poverty, they eat small fish and rice. So they uh, meet us uh, saves a special occasion. So when they uh, sacrifice their all for us, we feel guilty taking all this um, delicious meal. But we also learned that this was their way of showing love and um, appreciation. If we, we refuse their gift, we insult their hospitality. So we learn to graciously accept gift and exchange them as well. So 2007, uh, 2016, before we wrap up the ministry in Boypat, and uh, we were about to, uh, because like we're going to be on home assignment, and then we uh, knew that we're going to be going to another place, uh, because no, uh, Boypat is the northwest of, of, of Cambodia. And um, just a little bit um, uh, briefly of the history of Boypat, because before we moved to Boypat, we, uh, we knew that because Boypat is 
was the last stronghold of the Khmer Rouge gave up. But, and, and also there's a lot of landmines, there's a lot of snakes that we can tell you later on if you want to know more about snakes. <laughs> and um, there's a lot of the opposition there, but uh, we, we've been so there for um, 12 years. Then um, 2017 in January, we uh, got a phone call from our field director and has asked us like, Sun and Sina, would you consider to go to another location on the northern of Cambodia, not on the northwest? And, um, and then he um, mentioned about the name, um, this place called An Long Wang. And as we share that uh, An Long Wang was the last uh, stronghold of the leader of the communist regime that gave up. Boy Pat, the last stronghold that the communists gave up, but An Long Wang was the last stronghold of the leader, was the headquarter. And uh, when we heard this name, it just bring back the old memory, the killing fields. And uh, we kind of look at each other and uh, we pray about it. We said, uh, um, is God going to send us to this place? And after we pray, we feel, we feel just like uh, 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 satisfied. And, um, and um, we, kinda, we say like, uh, God, so, uh, God save us through the killing field. And God save us while we live in the Bronx, New York. <laughs> and also... When we live in uh, uh, Boy Pad, and God save us through that too, and uh, we said, let's say yes, and that God will God gonna do some amazing thing. But when we say yes, this is the opposition that we face. So that week, um, uh, uh, just a few days, we say yes. Uh, we face um, opposition at a personal level. That the question I will answer to go to this new place. First of all, it's good news because our older son wants to get married. But at that time, we were living in Nyack, New York. Our son was in Minnesota, and the wedding going to take place in Minnesota. And we only have two weekends left to squeeze in the summer, so the stress of planning the wedding from over a uh, long distance, that was a big uh, thing. Um, then uh, in January also, at the end of the month, um, my brother, who was a father of five children, um, athletic, six foot one, played basketball, 47 years old, strong, healthy, then he had a cold. And it linger on to cough and continually um, and chest pain and um, doctor keep guessing to asthma, to pneumonias, to allergies and so and so. By the end of the Mar March that year, he was diagnosed as stage four liver cancer. And by May, it was spread all over his body. So he was moved to hospice. At the same time in April, we had a phone call from Cambodia. Um, Sue's younger brother um, has some health issue, but not as much. So went to Bangkok, Thailand to, for a checkup for follow-up care. But he ended up having medical complications. He died in Bangkok. So the people, uh, the family had to make expensive um, plan to bring the body back from Bangkok, Thailand to Cambodia. And at the same time, we both have elderly mothers, and we have to think for uh, who going to take care of our moms when we go to Cambodia. And so with that said and done, we, we still say yes anyway. So because of all the plans, uh, our tickets already purchased, our plan was to arrive in Cambodia, and we have one day to look for a house in this new place with no teammates, no friends, no people that we didn't know any about. So on July 6th, when we went in Cambodia, we began from 7 o'clock in the morning, we began knock on door, look for a house to rent. We looked at 13 houses, 
at four o'clock that day, we end up signed one contract to one house. And then we, we went to back to border. Uh, our plan was to go join the Thai field for field forum. And so on July 7, as we crossed the border, get into the bus to go to the Bangkok, we got a phone call from Virginia that my brother went home to be with Jesus. And it was really hard, so we continued serving and joined the Fail Forum for the next two weeks. Um, um, Mid-July, we came back um, to Cambodia. We packed our stuff from Boy Bed. The plan, we traveled in three trucks, so the plan was um, to go to bring our stuff to a long way. A normal drive is three hours to take from Boy Bed to a long way, so we planned five hours, just in case. When one truck kept breaking down and breaking down, it took us 11 hours to get to Anlongwing. We arrived after 2 a.m. and pitch dark, pouring rain, hungry, no restaurant, no food, and it was just really our lowest moment. And had we not one-way tickets, we would have come back the next day. <laughs> so we stuck in there. So we begin to clean the house for the next four, four, four or five days. After we clean the house and clean, and we said, I'm tired of cleaning, so let's go visit On Long Wing. We open our gates and go explore the town. That's when we discovered that the whole town, the whole district was covered with floods of the rains. And some area of flood was chest deep on level. So, and we look around, those houses that we say no to were all underwater. Our house was on dry ground. So after we settled down, uh, I had to take our younger son to a boarding school in Malaysia. So after we came back, I came back from Malaysia, we began to question, ask around, do you know any Jesus people around here? The Christian is known as the Jesus people. So we asked them, and they keep pointing us to here and there, and we asked the local regional leaders, can you introduce us to some Jesus people, to Christian? So we went and met Pastor D and Mr. Kong. And uh, when we met them, and uh, we told them, like, we're going to be here and work with you for four years. And, uh, and when they looked at us, they were, like, just shocked. And then they said that, you know, we've been praying for two years that God will send somebody to teach us God's word. And, um, and now, you send, uh, now God sent you to us. And they said, yes. And uh, now we're going to work with you for four years. And but, but, but then we told him that, that but before we, we came here, we're supposed to go to another place. And we've been praying too, but your prayer might be stronger than us. That's why God sent us to your place. <laughs> and um, so please watch this video, how God has been using this man. I was a violent man, a drunken, evil man. I had no love for anybody. One day, I was working in an empty charcoal oven when the wall caved in on me and my little boy. I heard my wife cry out, Jesus, help my husband. I felt two hands grip my shoulders, and I realized that I was already outside the cave. I choked and coughed out blood. Then my right eye popped out of its socket. Immediately, my wife and a neighbor took me to the nearest hospital. 
Every doctor in every clinic said that they could not treat this kind of injury. I told my wife, you must take me to your church. I have no other hope. When we arrived, I asked the pastor to pray for me. As he prayed, I felt something from inside was pulling my eyeball to its place. And when everyone opened their eyes to look at me, I shouted, I am healed. I was overwhelmed with joy and in awe that God had healed me. After I got out of the hospital, my heart was restless. I could not stay still. I just wanted to go and tell everyone about Jesus. I often walked to distant places. I kept praying to God for clear direction. God, you have done so much in my life. From now on, whether I live or die, I am devoted to you. Where you send me, I will go. First, I shared in my own village. The people all knew what kind of character I was. After I came back, everyone was amazed by my healing, and they said that I was a different man. Some who saw the changes in me began to put their trust in Jesus. The workload was overwhelming to me. I cried out to God, I can't do this alone. Please send someone to help. When we came, it's just like so desperate need. We have not heard any church existing here. It's just like spiritual hunger. We met Kang on a boat ride. He's a natural, networking person. Wherever this relative live, does the church exist? All he knew that go and share the gospel. Sometimes he called us like, I'm here, I'm there, away from home. Talk to this person, that person. They received the Lord already. It's amazing. We told him that there's so many that we, we, we cannot catch up with him. God answered my prayer and sent you. I was so happy. My faith began to grow deeper. You are helping us understand God's ways. We cover three villages a week and do all day discipleship classes in that each village, including two floating villages. In the last two years, we've seen God's planted 12 Alliance Church group and about 130 people came to Christ. This is our goal to see by year 2021 that in every village, every tribe, every tongue in Cambodia, they have a church, a place of worship for the people group. We plant churches because Jesus told us to go and make disciples. But it in Jesus' heart, he cared for the lost soul. And that's why we're here, follow him. I am grateful to God for saving me. And I have committed my whole being to serving him for the rest of my life. Nothing makes me happier than to see lost people find their way back into God's kingdom. Our God is a real God, not just a storyteller. Not yeah. just once upon a time stories. Yeah, once upon a time story. <laughs> this is real. This is true that he's worked in the life of his people. And he still does miracles every day. So um, when we were introduced to Mr. Kang and Pastor D, and through his family network, we found out that we inherit five villages of four of 
um, young believers who were just four months old Christians. And so for the next two years, we follow Mr. Kang and Pastor D to every village where the young believers exist. And we disciple and we invest heavily on discipleship and leadership training. What amazing to uh, this one is Mr. Kang. He is a very simple man. He was a little boy during the Khmer Rouge regime. He never went to school. He's a man of no education. Um, and four days before the accident, the accident took place in November 2016, just months before we arrived. Before the accident, he was the most fearful man in town. Everybody fear of him, ran away. But after he encountered with the living God, after he discovered, uh, received the miraculous healing in front of 19 people who saw the healing, and he became an evangelist. And he shared, he was passionate, he shared, when everybody should have been dead, uh, this kind of accident, why would God spare his life for a reason? So he shared that Jesus, the one true God, the real God, but those who were skeptical did not uh, believe. They saw the accident and saw the trance of the eye, the eyeball turned back to the socket, was amazed. But many who did not see the accident um, only saw or heard about his characters. So he told them, you all know who I was. You see who I am today. It's the power of Jesus Christ who changed me. And with that, he shared the gospel with every village he goes to. His deep motivation is that every time he makes up, he said, God, I must tell about you to another people in another village. And sometimes he wakes up, this uh, motorbike behind uh, him is his one precious possession. At nighttime, he hauled it up to his bedroom to hide so that it won't be stolen. And sometimes he would start the day aiming to go to one village and require at least three liters of fuel. But it's only um, half a liter in a tank. And he said, Jesus, I must go to that village to share about you. But I can't go without the fuel. You just must carry my motorbike. So he started his motorbike, and he drove, and he spent time and shared the gospel and won some people to the Lord. At the end of the uh, time, he would, could not start his bike back. So the people checked the tank. Oh, it's empty. Let us fill up for you. And with that, he trusted God daily for provision. He kept going. Many people who pray to receive Jesus through Mr. Kong have the same um, passion, the same deep conviction that they must tell the next person about Jesus. And so the word spread. Um, so our people are poor. Um, they are farmers. Um, they don't have means to for medical or any kind of uh, expensive medical. So when, when their child is sick and had a fever and it, the clinic is about three hours away and they have no money to go there, so they go to Jesus. They took God's word at face value and they said, Jesus, you promised that all authorities belong to you and you promised you to be with us. So fever, in the name of Jesus Christ, you leave my child alone. Toothache, in the name of Jesus Christ, you leave my, my son alone. With that, they pray for everything, and God answer. The child restore life. The, head, uh, the, the illness took away, and this lady in front of us, she was deformed uh, for 38 years, um, crippled some pain, and some chronic pain, and her family, with all, us with um, other people, they went seek help with um, village doc uh, witch doctors and uh, healers from the village. And so they searched all kinds of help, but no help. And she was sick in pain. Some people said, why don't you give the Jesus people a try? I heard they pray for and that God answer. 
and her family brought her to the church, and we pray, uh, the church people will lay a hand. After a few weeks, she's able to stretch her arm, and she's able to walk. And this took place, and, and her uh, nine adult children saw the transform, and they all gave their life to Christ. And as a result of her healing, a church was born. And word spread, the more, the more people got healed, more people wanted to check out, who are these Jesus people? And that God answered prayer, so they keep bringing the people. And sometimes people were demon possessed. They left in front of church, and the people pray for. After a few days, that man or person walked back, restored um, addiction, found, found freedom. So the more fame spread to God uh, about Jesus, the more people came to the Lord. And so my soul that. Um, the, this upset the witch doctors and uh, village healer, healers. So they find way to um, cause harm, uh, pour poisons. Mr. Kang have um, a, a couple sacks of rice, of grains, and when he came back home, he discovered the whole um, grain was soaked with poison. And Jesus, this all the food we have and the seed we're gonna plant. How are we gonna survive? So they pray for the grain. And God healed the grains, and they ate through the how ye and feel. And sometimes they, uh, we question, are you not afraid that people intentionally harm you? What about your drinking water? And the man said, Gangwa said, yeah, I, that thought crossed my mind. So I said, how do you do it? Well, you see, this jug of water is our good water. So before I go to class, I put a goldfish in the jug of water. So when I come back, I pick at the goldfish, he was still swimming, the water is good. <laughs> and so they kept trusting Jesus. And as the fame of Jesus spread near and far, people put the bring, want to check out who are these Jesus people. So our, our, our service packed. But for us, the number of attendants does not impress us. Because in Cambodia, due to poverty, people come to church looking for rice, for medicine, for all kinds of help. So we welcome them all. But if they said, no, no, I want, to be, I want to know Jesus. Please lead me to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we present the gospel and share the salvation plan to them. And if they agree, and we ask them one more question. We ask, are you willing to cut off your spirit strength? See, in Cambodia, about 90% of the population, um, because of um, uh, the fear of um, demons and um, Ancestor worship, uh, because they go to village health work, uh, village healers, or uh, witch doctors for a price. The witch doctor will give them spirit string. They will wear around their bodies, around their necks, or around their wrists. They vary all their life, and the string promise protection and a word of evil spirit. So when we ask them, "Are you willing to cut off the string?" They have. There's a pause. Because. It's a, it cost them a lot to put it on the first play. And we told them, if they say yes, we told them right away the cost of following Jesus. We asked, young wife, if your husband find out that your string being cut off, you might be divorced or beaten and rejected. Teenagers, if your parents discovered your string being cut off, you might be kicked off the house. Is that okay by you? And if they say yes to all that, we told them, Tonight, or the next couple of nights, you're gonna have bad dreams. Demons gonna come intimidate you, all kinds of spirits come and tell, torment you to go back to the old way. But that's okay, Jesus is all powerful. Just shout the name of Jesus and those demons will go be gone. 
And they said all that. If they say yes, we'd ask them, show us your string. With that permission, we cut off the string right in front of the people, and we have a bonfire and burn as a testimony that their old life being cut off, and now they too follow Jesus Christ. For us, when people say yes and cut off the string, that's when we start counting the number of believers when after they cut off the string. And so after that, we hooked them up in classes and uh, baptized them according to that level. And so this keep going on and on. And the number grew and grew, but then COVID arrived. And, hmm? oh yeah, yo, should remind me that in the village, when we go to the ministry, we not only bring our Bible, we bring our pair of sisters with us too. So um, COVID arrived, border closed. All our people were factory workers or uh, work in the city that had come home, suffer hungry, and we canceled our classes as well. And our students said, teacher, you cannot just cancel church. What are we gonna do? We commit one day a week to study God's word. So we told them, you take the lesson that we, we taught you, go and practice with your people and family. And they did. So we only quarantined for four weeks. When we came back, more people came to the Lord. But our people also suffer many a hardship. We have three more big major floods destroy, destroy all their crops. One farmer had um, their plow, cashew plantation got to fire. So there's a lot of difficulties as we deliver food to, um, to the family. At the same time, our, our, our family went through more testing our son was in Malaysia, um, border closed, could not come. When he came, uh, he packed for one week, but he stuck for eight months. So we had to try and fly back to uh, Malaysia. And when he graduated, we could not go to him in Malaysia. So we had to find a flight for him to go to, uh, right to America. At the same time, our oldest son um, said yes to Jesus. I was being commissioned. It was a milestone for us. A proud parent, we wanted to be there, but we couldn't be there. And at March, as soon as COVID arrived, my older sister, who was a caregiver for my mother in Washington State, he took um, fall off, um, fall off from the roof and broke her back and became paralyzed. So we had to think and find who's going to take care of my mom. And so that was a lot of emotional stress. And, and on May 28 last year, we uh, we had enough. We said, just let's go visit our friends in the village and say goodbye. We went, we told one village, said, we're going to go to America for one year for home assignment. You take care of yourself. And the people said, you just led us to the Lord, and now you're abandoning us? Who's going to take care of us? Who's going to teach us? And we said, no, you're in good hands. This teacher going to take care of you. And one man pleaded with us, before you go, can you go to my parents' village and share the same message to them as well? We went, and when we arrived, 60 people waited for us. And then when Sud, praise Jesus, when Sud shared the gospel, and at the end of that service, 30 people prayed to receive Jesus on May 28. And so we told them, is this a church, right? Say, yeah. So what are we gonna name this church then? And the people said, let's name it Corona Alliance Church. <laughs> yes. And so, Looking back to January 2017, when we say yes to Wing, we face endless opposition. 
Had we followed our feelings, we had enough good reason to stay in America if we want to, and our feel would understand. But had we say yes to our feeling, we would miss our big time. We thought we went to Anlungwing to start from scratch, but Jesus was already, uh, already in Anlungwing ahead of us. His footprints was everywhere through the lives of miracles and healing through Mr. Kong and others. We simply follow Mr. Kong and other believers. When we arrive after we met Kong, we inherit five churches through discipleship and leadership training. By June 2021, God planted 21 house churches and it's still going strong to this day. So we ask you to continue to, uh, uh, if you would like to follow up with the, um, our ministry, there are sign up sheet the front there. And please sign up, uh, put your email in there so we can uh, let you know what uh, our, our, our monthly uh, um, prayer, prayer letter, and also continue to pray for these 21 house churches that they continue to look to Jesus only. Mm-hmm. That, that they're going to be strong and also continue to pray and uh, support and um, to the Great Commission Fund. And um, if you can uh, um, um, uh, also, we like to invite you to come to Cambodia too. Please. But if, if you cannot go to Cambodia, support some young men and women that have a passion to go to Sukhan. And please support and help them. If not Cambodia, maybe some other place also. And also, uh, uh, we, 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 we know that our God cared deeply for lost people, and lost people is matter to Him. Please join us in effort to share all of Jesus for all of the world. Please stand up with us and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you, we're grateful, and thank you, Lord, for great privilege, Lord, that, has you, that you have been using us, Lord, to serve you in overseas, to serve you here. Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, and um, even during this um, COVID time, Lord, you are not handicapped. You are still at work from here and to the end of the world. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord, to be on the move where you move, to be on the move where you where your footprint is already uh, or some other places uh, help us to uh, not to just feel comfortable in this place lord help us to on the move with your holy spirit lord that you can lead us to we thank you we grateful for lord thank you for using us lord using people here in jesus name we pray amen thank you thank you